0: Hey there, GPSers, and welcome back to another edition of the GPS Podcast. I am glad that you are here whenever and wherever you are listening to this. As you know, we are journeying through a series that we are calling Nine a Day, Feasting on the Fruit of the Spirit. All of our adult classes right now are journeying through this series together, and each week we have been looking at a different Trait that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5. This list that is sometimes referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. What Paul is describing there is the kind of life that will be produced and that will result when we are connected to the Spirit of God and the life of God. The imagery of fruit is a reminder that this is something that God does in us and through us as we stay connected to the vine, to use an image from the ministry of Jesus. And today what I want us to do is I want us to look at a particular teaching in the ministry of Jesus that helps us to understand better our trait for this week, and that is the trait of goodness, this virtue that Paul lists as a part of this fruit of the Spirit that he describes. So if you have your Bible... I want us to look at actually two passages that go together and that give us some insight from the teaching of Jesus about what goodness actually means and what goodness is all about for a disciple of Jesus. So the two passages are going to be found in a section of Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, in 7. I want to read a passage from Matthew 5 of the Sermon on the Mount and I want to read a passage from Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount and then give some reflections on goodness. Matthew 5 verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. For no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In the second passage from Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. When I was in middle school, I had a situation that at the time was terrifying and intimidating. Later, many years later, it would become amusing, but as is often the case when the moment is happening, It is hard to see the amusement in it, and that's especially true in middle school, and that's especially true of this particular thing that happened to me. One day, I was sitting in class with my classmates. We were listening to a lecture by our teacher of that class. We were all busy taking our notes when the next thing we knew, there was a knock on the classroom door. The door opened, and standing there was our vice principal. Our vice principal was a very large, broad-shouldered man with a deep black beard that ran down the sides of his face. He had a red hue to his skin, like it was slightly burnt at all times, and his stature and his demeanor was together this very intimidating presence. And his intimidating presence was met by the fact that he was also known around school as the the disciplinary of the two principals, the main principal and him, the vice principal. And so on this particular day, I was especially scared and concerned when he opened the classroom door and he summoned me out of the room. He asked our teacher if he could borrow me for a few minutes. And at this point, if you've ever been called to the principal's office, which I was in my day, a fair share, or if you have ever been on the verge of getting into any kind of trouble, you know that moment where your name gets called, or you get called to the principal's office, or where you see those flashing lights in the distance that may or may not be for you, your mind immediately begins racing and you begin recounting all of the things that you might have possibly done that would cause you to get into trouble. And so as I closed my folder and began to walk towards the principal and the door, I began recounting in my head all of the things that I might have been doing or not doing in order to get summoned out of the middle of this class lecture. I walk out into the hallway with our vice principal and he asks me to come with him to my locker. And we walk down the long hallway of our middle school with his feet tapping on the floor sharply. We get in front of my locker and he asks me to open the locker. And so I look at my locker and from the outside it looks totally normal, it's this shiny gray locker with my serial number written on the top of it, and then there at the bottom was a lock that I turned the combination quickly and opened the door. And I opened the door to a very messy locker, and he asked me to empty my locker out. And at this point, I definitely began rolling through my head trying to remember what I may or may not have in my locker And so I began to pull out books and shredded pieces of paper and crumpled up note cards. And there, finally, at the bottom of my locker was a brown plastic grocery bag. And about the time I took the very last book out of my locker and saw this brown plastic grocery bag, A stench and smell hit both me and the vice principal in our collective noses and we both took a step back because it was this rancid, putrid smell. I was totally confused at what I was looking at and what I was more so smelling at the time. And so with two fingers, I slowly plucked the grocery bag out of my locker and dropped it onto the floor. And as I dropped it onto the floor, the top opened up just a bit, and there in the bag I saw what was causing the smell. It was a few pieces of leftover celery that had been in a lunch from about a week and a half ago that somehow had ended up in my locker and then made its way to the bottom of my locker. And over the last week and a half or so it had begun to take on the smell of a piece of produce that is in the bottom of a locker of a middle schooler for about a week and a half. The vice principal kindly and gently asked me to throw away that particular bag and to clean up my locker. And my locker, for the record, stayed spotless for the rest of the year. You may be wondering... Why I begin our reflections on goodness with that story from my middle school days, but the story provides an image that I want to pay attention to. I want to freeze because it's an image that gets at something that Jesus is trying to get at in the Sermon on the Mount. And the image I want to freeze is that moment right when my vice principal and I are standing in front of my shiny gray locker, one of many that ran along the wall, and we're standing in front of my locker looking at a locker that seems to be a totally normal looking locker. From the outside, everything looked fine. But what we were soon going to learn, and what my vice principal had already learned, is that there was a lot more going on inside of that locker than I had first thought. Because the thing that I didn't realize was happening, because I obviously didn't go to my locker very much, was that that smell that took us both back a few steps when we finally got to the bottom of my locker, was already beginning to emerge from the small vents that ran across the top. Some other people had already began to notice a stench. The vice principal had walked by earlier that day and had noticed the same stench What was going on the inside of the locker was finally making its way out, even though on the surface everything seemed to look fine. One of the big things that Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he is trying to develop disciples, transform disciples from the inside out. That what Jesus is trying to do is he is trying to teach that the way of Jesus, that the way of the kingdom is a way of life that is transformed from the inner depths of a person and that moves out into how a person lives their actual life. One author has called this deep inner Goodness, that one of the things that Jesus is trying to do with the Sermon on the Mount is to develop in you and me deep inner goodness, deep inner righteousness. And the reason why deep inner goodness is a helpful summary of what Jesus is trying to do with this sermon is because of what happens near the beginning of the sermon and what happens near the end of the sermon. The two passages that I just read for you serve as a kind of frame for the Sermon on the Mount. There at the beginning, we read this statement from Jesus about us being the light of the world. And what it means for us to be the light of the world is that we will do good deeds, we will do good works, we will shine those out for people to see, and they will praise our Father in heaven. And then at the end of the sermon, Jesus again uses that very same word, talking about trees and fruit, and that Jesus, as the sermon closes, gives us insight into what it means to be a good person, what it means to live a good life. And the insight he gives us is something that we can sometimes forget, and that is the inner essence of a person is inevitably revealed on the externals of a person, that who a person is inside will produce a certain kind of fruit in our lives. And so when we have deep inner goodness, when we are a good tree, when we are the kinds of people whose insides have been transformed by the power of God, then we will produce good fruit in our life. We will do good deeds and people will praise God because of it. But if we allow our insides to stay rotten, if we allow our insides to remain neglected like a middle schooler with a locker, over time that's going to seep out into our lives. That's going to produce a different kind of fruit in our life. It's going to produce bad fruit or to incorporate the imagery of Paul that when we are tapped into the life. Of God, When the life of God is at work within us, then we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. But if we're tapped into other spirits and other lives and other operating forces, then we will produce fruit that matches the spirit of the age, the spirit of this world, a spirit that is not of God, a spirit that is not of heaven. And so Jesus is is trying in this sermon with this frame of goodness, he starts by referencing good deeds and he ends again by reminding us of the importance of producing good fruit. The thing that Jesus is trying to get at that he frames this sermon with is, is a vision of what a good life is, that the Sermon on the Mount is trying to help us answer that question, what is the good life? What makes a good life? This is a question that plays on the edges of our world more often than we realize. And this is a question that plays on the edges of our hearts and our minds more than we may realize. I was recently listening to a podcast with a a well-known celebrity and the person interviewing them was asking them about some changes that had happened in their life. They had known this person for many years, and they had talked about how who they were three or four years ago and who they were at this point in the interview were very, very different, and he wanted him to reflect on what had happened and how those changes had occurred. And this well-known person began to describe how several years ago they took a weekend and they sat down. And they took a big board and they began to describe and draw out and imagine the kind of life they wanted to live in three or four years from this point. And so they took pictures of places that they wanted to go. They wrote phrases of things that they wanted to acquire. They put up pictures of things they wanted to accomplish. And over the course of that weekend, they ended up with this huge board of things that depicted for them the life that would be good. They put together this vision of what a good life would be for them. And as I was listening to the podcast, it struck me that that while I had never done this exercise in a concrete way, the aha moment I had was that I'm always kind of doing this. That we're always, all of us, kind of doing this. That in the things that we pursue, in the things that we prioritize, in the things that we purchase, all of these things taken together are these pursuits of what we think a good life looks like, what we think it means to live a good life. That whether we do it explicitly, like this person did over the course of the weekend, or whether we do it implicitly, just kind of unconsciously as we go about our day, regardless, we're we're always answering this question in the ways in which we pursue things, the ways in which we prioritize things. And one of the things that I noticed as this celebrity was naming off some of the things that they put on their board was... How the focus of the things that they were naming were all of these external kinds of things, things that they wanted to acquire, places they wanted to live, purchases they wanted to make, and it hit me that often that's what we use to define the good life, our external world, things that we can see, things that we can touch, feel, taste, that those things so often are the things that sum up for us what a good life is. That we can sometimes maybe overemphasize those things at the neglect of our internal world. And so the temptation that we all face is that we can get so focused on the outsides that we neglect the insides. We can get so focused on the polish on that locker so that it looks really clean, yet on the inside we could be filled with things that are rotting and corroding that at some point will eventually be made known that the fruit that is formed on the inner world is going to eventually be exposed in our outer world. As mentioned earlier, this theme of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is a theme that we pick up in the writings of Paul. This writing in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit that we produce in our lives. And there's a quote from an author by the name of Christopher Wright in a book called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit that I think helpfully sums up not just the teaching of Paul, but also this point that Jesus is trying to make. He writes this, and I quote, So it is out of the deep well of goodness in the heart, flowing from the life of the Spirit of God living within us, and modeled by Jesus Himself, that we draw the water that will irrigate the fruit of the Spirit by being good in our thoughts attitudes, words, and actions, and by doing good. There is this connection between being and doing that runs through the letters of Paul and runs through this teaching of Jesus. And the reason why I wanted to focus on this teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is because as we read through those three chapters... Teaching after teaching after teaching pushes us in this direction of inner being goodness that grows into outer doing goodness. And one of the things I would encourage you to do is just to read through those few chapters, asking those questions about how these teachings of Jesus help develop and cultivate our inner world. Because there is inevitably this relationship between the external and internal, and in the same way our internal will bleed out into our external, we can also shape our internal world through the external things that we do. That there are practices there are habits, there are rhythms and rituals that we can go through externally that also shape our internal world. And so teaching after teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is giving these practices, these priorities of disciples that can help them be transformed from the inside out. That the Outside world can also be a way to shape our inside world. And paying attention to both is critical to transform into who God wants us to be by the power of God. But I want to close with three practices, three things that Jesus teaches as specific challenges and encouragements to us as we move into this new week and as we consider what it might look like to be people who are not just good in our doing but also good in our being. And those three practices come right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus mentions these three practices of giving, praying, and fasting. And I think these three practices in these three teachings are things that we can do in order to help us become a certain kind of person. And so, in the order that Jesus teaches them, first, the practice of giving. Jesus teaches this, so whenever you give, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may give in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Secondly, concerning prayer, Jesus teaches this, And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Hopefully you notice with these three teachings, there's a few phrases and themes that run throughout them. One thing that you'll obviously notice is that Jesus continues to give a contrast with each of these practices to that of the hypocrites. Now the word used here for hypocrites is a a word that was used in Jesus' day for play actors, Play actors were people who wore masks. Jesus is talking about certain ways of doing spiritual practices where people are just putting on a show. They're putting on an act. Now, the reason that's significant is because Jesus basically describes two different ways of doing a spiritual practice. There's one way of doing it where you're basically just putting on a show. You're doing something with the intent of being seen. And where does intent happen? Intent happens internally. The other way to do it, as Jesus describes, is to do these things in secret to still do them, to still practice them, but to do them in such a way that your motive is different, Jesus is here in these three teachings drawing together that relationship between external and internal by getting at the why of the practice, And the way in which we can do these practices in such a way to shape and form our insides is by doing them in secret, by doing them without having the intention of being seen and noticed, heard, and observed as being a righteous person. That we do these practices in such a way that we are not motivated by the desire to be seen in the externals of our lives, but in the desire to be seen by the one who sees in secret the Father. So we end up practicing these things with very different priorities than the hypocrites. We practice these things in such a way that we are placing our insides in a posture where God and God alone sees them and knows them and rewards us for them. He rewards us in deep transformative ways. He is the one who brings about the deep inner righteousness. We place ourselves in a posture in a position where the power of God can produce in us good fruit because God transforms us from the inside out. Or to use the language of Paul, God's Spirit produces fruit that reflects the Spirit of God, specifically the Spirit of goodness. And so this week, yes, I encourage you, Read the Sermon on the Mount with this eye, with the question of what is Jesus teaching me about the good life, but also I want to challenge you this week to pick one of these practices, to pick one of these habits and rituals and rhythms that Jesus offers, and to do it in secret, to do it seeking no reward, to do it trusting that God will see you And that God will do an inner work in you that will produce a different kind of fruit in you. That Jesus is giving us these pathways. He's giving us this guidance because Jesus wants us to live a good life. Because Jesus, as he says at the beginning of the sermon, wants us to do good deeds so that people will see them and Praise the Father in heaven who is the one who rewards us and transforms us and turns us into a certain kind of people in the world, people who produce the fruit of the Spirit.